0: Amen. That was beautiful. Do I need to pull it up, Dean? Is this good? Are we fine? Well, I might have to scream. It's on. I hear. Is it on? Sounds like it's on. Okay, let's uh, pray. Thank you, Jenny, for that song, because he does offer the grace to meet any need. Praise God for that. Lord Jesus, we do pray again for Barbara. Lord Jesus, we know she's in good hands, Lord, as she's with those that are professionals, but she's with the great healer as well, Lord. So we put her into your hands, Lord, and know that she will be fine. We also pray for our brother Bill, who's been out, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would heal him and bring him back to church, Lord Jesus, because we miss that, brother. And we pray that your word would be a blessing, to be an encouragement, to give us direction, to give us hope, and to give us what you would want each one to, uh, to get from your word, Lord. We pray that you would be honored through this message and that uh, the word would be effective in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, I was thinking... I shouldn't make you stand up, Adel, too, but I'm not. Because it's his birthday. Um, I was reading because I was studying this passage, and it was really a blessing, this passage. Um, and then I was reading one of the commentaries on the passage, and he brought up kind of a, a nice little story, and he, he talked about... Um, a game and um, most of the old people in here know the game and it's, it's called hide and seek and you know what it was everybody ran and hid and then the person who was um, triggered or chosen to be the one um, he would count or she would count and say here I come and then you think about it it's like but does that what they said, what is the rest of the statement? Ready or not, right? So really what the statement was, they would scream out, ready or not, here I come. And that was a pretty fun game. But this writer, you know, he didn't call that, didn't name that as the title of his message, but I like that title. Ready or not, here I come. And if we use that statement and refer it to our Lord, it can have real profound implications. Ready or not, here I come. And I was reading about Jesus' return. And you think about Jesus' return and it never fails to receive mixed responses to the whole idea of Christ's return. For those who are ready, it always produces a sense of comfort and anticipation. For those who are not ready or don't believe, it actually can produce a number of responses, like skepticism. Some actually become irritated. Others are intimidated. And few are afraid, maybe even panicky. And most simply refuse to think about it. But one thing we need to understand, no one can remain neutral on the subject. No one can remain neutral. Now I was reading a gentleman and he was just talking about some facts pertaining to Jesus' return. And one of the facts was one out of every 30 verses in the Bible mentions the subject of Jesus' return or the end of time. One out of 30. Now this, there's a lot of verses in this Bible. And if it's one out of 30, I would have to say that that means it's something pretty significant. 260 chapters in the New Testament. There are well over 300 references to Christ's return. Only four of the 27 New Testament books fail to mention Jesus' return. 27 books in the New Testament and only four fail to mention his return. The Bible teaches that Jesus will come again. And they make it very, very important that we get that, that we understand it, that we appreciate it. And that we meditate on it and think about it, obviously, because it's real important. We can't ignore it. So we're going to go to Matthew, chapter 24. And we're going to read a few verses. Matthew, chapter 24, starting in verse 36. It says, no one knows about that hour, about that day. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. And then it goes on to say, Therefore keep watch. Because you don't know when the day... Your Lord will come. And it says the Son of Man will come. Now, we have to obviously get that. And we really need to understand the significance of that. And I'm just going to talk to two different people today. You want me to do something? Use this, okay? Use the microphone. Do I have to turn it on, Dean? It's all... is it on? I feel like I'm going to do a a, a song now. <laughs> Come on, Sylvia, I'm going to be up here and uh, let me sing a song to you guys. That's something the mic made me feel a little different. But, uh, it's a message that really we need to get as Christians. Talk to two groups today. The first group is Christians. How do we feel about that? Sometimes we need to be reminded. And Revelation reminds us, and I love how it says in Revelation, 22, 7, it says, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Christians, the Lord is saying to us, I will bless you if you keep the words of the prophecy of this book. Verse 12 in chapter 22, it says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Christians, I'm talking to you. The Lord is saying, I have rewards for you. Blessed is each one of you who does my work because I have rewards to give you. And then the last two verses in the Bible, which tells me when you see the last, we're talking about an unbelievable book. And the last two verses are obviously the Lord is saying, this is what I want to put my stamp of approval on. I want to make this clear that this is very significant. So he says in the last two verses, this is chapter 22, verse 20, 21. It says, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. So God is saying to us, come on. I'm coming soon. I meditate on that. Consider that. That's a blessing and an encouragement. Now, let's go to Acts. And actually, I think he's putting stuff up on the screen, and this is kind of a new church with a new technology, and that's a blessing. So you don't even have to go there, I guess, because Ed's back there. And So Acts 111. It says, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken up to you in heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go to heaven. Christians, God is saying, don't just stand around looking up to heaven for me to come back. And that's what the apostles were doing because they were thinking he was going to come back immediately. He went up and it was the most miraculous thing they've ever seen. And they're thinking he's going to come back. So they're staring up into the clouds. And we can do that as Christians. We can kind of stare up into the clouds. Well, Jesus is coming back. I don't really need to do anything, because they were doing nothing. He says, "Why are you staring up into the clouds? He's coming back. Get busy. He already gave you instructions. Be about his business. First Thessalonians 4:14 4, through 18 says, "We believe that Jesus died and rose again. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet him in the air. So therefore, what? Encourage each other with these words. To do what? Titus. Chapter 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say, no To ungodliness and world passions, worldly passions, and to live self controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all the wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. This portion of Scripture. Lays it on the line for us as believers. For God brings salvation. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. He's saying Christians, say no to ungodliness. Worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. That's the call for us. As we wait for his coming. So Christians, are, we're given a mandate. Live righteously. Live holy. Wait for that blessed hope. But don't just sit around looking up into the sky saying, thinking, I don't really need to do anything. I can just sit around and kind of just go through the motions. He says, no. Live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. I need you to live a certain way as you wait for my return. That's the mandate for Christians. Because what? Because he gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. Are we eager to do what is good? Are we eager to live righteously? Are we eager to to put the filth off of us and to live godly lives? That's God's call. As we wait for his coming. That's his call. That's his mandate. Again, are we ready? Are we living the way we should be living as if he could come in five minutes, in ten minutes, in twenty minutes? How are we living our lives? Righteously? Hopefully. With our eyes fixed on him? Hopefully. Because what? Ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, I'm coming. Ready or not, I'm going to call. You're going to hear the trumpet sound. And where are you going to be and what are you going to be doing, Christians? That's what he said to me as I read that. And he has a crown of righteousness for us. For those who long for his appearing, and that is in Second Timothy 4.8. A crown of righteousness. Can you imagine seriously? I think, and I, I'm guilty myself. Of, do we really see that picture? Do we really see the picture of Christ with His hands, nail print hands, eyes with love, grabbing our hand and saying, "Okay, it's time." It's time. Come on into the kingdom. You're home now. Do we really see that? Because if we see that, then these words make a difference. If we don't see that, they can't make a difference. How can they? We have to see Him. We have to expect that crown of righteousness. We have to look forward to that. We have to think it's coming. Can you imagine God putting a crown on you and me? A crown on our head saying, You did a good job. You were faithful. You answered the call. You were ready when I came. You put off all these things that were important to you because you wanted me and you loved me. Thank you. Here's the crown. Do we long for his appearing? Do we long for it? But see, that wasn't the message. That was just to kind of encourage us as believers. Really. Because we need encouragement. We need to keep going. We need to keep persisting. We need to persevere because we know that we need to see Him. We need to see Him. We need to understand that our Lord is real. He's real. And ready or not, one of these days, we're going to blink. Can you imagine that? Because He says, just like in the, the thief in the night, He doesn't come when you are, the doors open and you're standing with the door with a shotgun there. He doesn't come then. He says, well, I'm not coming then. I'm going to come when you're not ready. I'm I'm going to come when you're not really thinking about it. I'm going to come when you're just asleep. Are we ready? He says, stay alert. I can come at any moment. Keep your hands where they should be, and your mind where it should be, and your mouth where it should be. And your feet where they should be. And do what I need you to do. So when I come, you'll smile. And you'll be happy. And you really won't be surprised. You'll be overwhelmed. But you'll be thankful because you're doing my work and you're doing my business. Again, that's not the message. Because the message is for the other group. Those who don't know him, are you ready? Because we read it, didn't we? We said, This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And I think that is verse 39 of Matthew 24. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken. And one will be left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken, and the other will be left. You know, I was mocked this week. And I'm trying to think, you know what I was doing, and, and I'm going to get some, uh, um, Sylvia is going to be very happy. Because I was listening to choir songs at my desk. And I had them up a little higher than normal. But I have an office, so I'm not offending anybody. And I really didn't care at that moment. And one of the guys walked by, and he's joking to the other guy with him. Listen to that. Ron's listening to that, you know, music about heaven. Music, I don't care. He said... I don't care if I go to hell. I got a lot of buddies who are going to be there with me. It's not a big deal, hell. He said, it's not a big deal. Who cares? This is going to be fun. He actually said that. He actually said hell was fun. That hell would be fun. I want you to understand, those who don't know him today, it is not going to be fun. It is not going to be pretty. It's going to be the ugliest thing you've ever seen. And felt. And you won't have an option to get out of it. It's going to be terrible. And he joked about it. And I talked to somebody also that asked how you need to be born again. And how do we explain that? Some people think being born again is being baptized. Some people, and maybe there's somebody in here that maybe you think because you're coming to church that you're saved. Just walking through the doors and being in a church and reading scriptures and kind of saying hallelujah a little bit and your heart feeling a little bit fuzzy, that that's what salvation is. And people around the world have done that. They thought I'm a good person. I do pretty good things. I kind of give to some organizations. And I, you know, I don't do, I'm not a murderer or a killer. I don't do the bad things that this person does, so I'm okay. I'm going to heaven. So how do we get to heaven? It's not because of anything we do or where we go. And it's not because of baptism. It says 67% of American adults believe in a hell. But less than 25% believe they will go there. While 25% believe their friends will be there. 25% believe their buddies are going to be there. That means one out of four of you have some buddies going, to, you know, you think are going to hell. But the Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's how you get to heaven. And that's in Acts 2, 2.21. Acts 4.12 says salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given by men which we must be saved. That's how you get to heaven. Revelation twenty two, seventeen says, The spirit of the bride says, Come, and let him who hears say come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. That's what the Bible says. The Bible also says Acts sixteen, thirty. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must we do to be saved? And Paul answered, They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. God's plan from the beginning of time since the fall has been to restore relationships and to bring all to an understanding of him and to believe in him. Now, when I was studying this, the thing that blessed me more than anything is that when we talk about hell, it actually can seem like we're trying to scare people into choosing our Savior. It seems like some people actually say, because of the fear of hell, I'm going to get saved. And I want you to know that that is not scriptural. The Bible talks about hell, but that's not God's plan. God's plan is not to just cause you to be so fearful that you say, I I have to confess Christ because I don't want to go to hell. And the verses that are such a blessing... Or in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Because this is what causes people to choose our Lord. And as Christians, we need to understand that. And and really when we share with others, we need to share the fact that our God is a God that loves people. And He doesn't want you to go to hell. He, he's, his plan is that we go to heaven. So don't think about hell and be fearful and and say, I want to confess Christ, I want you to think of it a different way. I want you to read these verses. In John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that He gave. For God so loved the world, when He looked down after the separation, after the fall of man, He loved us so much. From the beginning of time, all He's been doing is working on restoring the relationship that was broken. First of all, by giving us laws. So that we can realize that we couldn't keep the law so that we can make a distinction between good and evil. He said, I have to show you that your behavior is evil. Then you can recognize there's an option of good, which is me. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish. That whosoever believes in Him shall not perish. God's plan... For you, unbeliever, is that you don't go to hell. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven. He doesn't want us to perish. He wants us to have eternal life. Now, I think verse 17 is not quoted enough. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Let me say it again. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So when God looks out at the world and sees the condition of man and woman who don't know him, He cries. He's tearful. He's hurt. And his interest is one thing to save us. Are you saved today? Do you really know him today? And I don't want you to come to him because of hell, I want you to come to him because of his love. Is so deep that he put his son on the cross. And if we go to Isaiah 53, we'll finish up with that. Because the first verse in Isaiah 53, which Ken read today, is who has believed the message? Who has believed our message? Who has believed the message in here? Have you believed the message? Look at the good news, the message that God has given. Look at the great news that God has given, the message the message of salvation. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The Lord's arm has been revealed to all of us. Why? Because He's interested all come to a knowledge of Him. All will be saved. Now, how do we really want to come to Him? Why should we come to Him? Because verse 4, Surely He took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Your sorrows right now and your infirmities right now, He says, I, I, I'll i carry it. I took it to the cross. Verse 5. He was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds we are healed. He was pierced for our transgressions. That's love. He wasn't pierced because of anything he did. All the sin that we have done in our lives, he was pierced for. He was crushed for our iniquities. All our iniquities, he was crushed for them. He paid the price for them. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Anyone who knows him today that has peace The punishment, the punishment that we deserved, he took. Anyone out here today that doesn't know him, the punishment that you deserve, he took on Calvary. He bore on Calvary. And verse 6 says, the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I was reading about a little girl who was taking an evening walk with her father and she looked up at the stars and exclaimed to her daddy, if the wrong side of heaven is so beautiful, what must the right side be? It's so ugly down here. What must the right side be? What is heaven like? Ready or not. Here I come. But that's something that we got to get. We really have to get that one day, it's going to happen. And we better be ready. Because if we're not, we're going to a place that God didn't intend us to go. I was reading this song and it says that there is hope for the helpless, rest for the weary, love for the broken heart. There's grace and forgiveness and mercy and healing. He'll meet you wherever you are. Cry out to Jesus. Christ did not love humanity. He never said that he loved humanity. He loved men. He loved women. And that's why he went to the cross. So this message... Is a message of love, a message of love that says, "From the Father's hand, I offer you a heaven. I offer you heaven. Why? Because I love you, and I don't want you to go to hell. Do we know that, ready or not, He's going to come?" Do we get that? Billy Graham wrote this invitation, which I thought was really good. He says, no matter how bad you are, how evil you are, how sinful you are, God loves you. God is crying out to your soul and heart, I love you, I love you, I love you. To the love. Will you say no and laugh in its face? Will you refuse God's love and spit into his face? Or will you say yes to God, yes to Jesus, yes to the Holy Spirit? Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Trust Jesus to save you and to let him be the boss of your life. What will it be? The decision is yours. Are you ready to side with God or with the enemy? ready or not he's coming and he doesn't want to frighten you into making the decision because that's really not going to be effective but I really want you to understand that he loves you so much and because of his love for you you should make that decision you should make that decision today and then you'll be ready When he comes. So we're going to bow our heads. And if there's anyone here today, everybody close your eyes. If there's anyone here today that wasn't ready when they walked through the door, but wants to be ready today, wants to say, Lord Jesus, your love has touched me. And I want to be part of the family of God. Put your hand up and we'll just pray for you today. Where you say, I want to get saved. I want to be part of the family of God. I want to be ready when you do come, Lord Jesus. Just put your hand up and down real quickly. I see your hand. Anybody else? I mean, you want to be saved. You say, I want to be part of the family of God. Not because of fear of hell, but because of the love of Jesus. He loves you so much. Loves you so much that you want to be with Him. Because of that love. Is there anybody here today that wants to join into the kingdom and allow the Savior to touch your life? Lord Jesus, we do pray that you would touch hearts, Lord Jesus. It's not anything that we've done, and anything we can do, Lord, to enter your gates. It's all what you've done for us, Lord Jesus. But we have to make that decision, Lord Jesus, to come to you. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today that's um, been touched and hasn't really been committed to making that decision, Lord Jesus, that you would just keep at them or keep with them, follow them, hound them, Lord Jesus. Let them see your face clearly, how much you love them and care for them. And do not let Satan deceive them into thinking That all is well when it's not. We just thank you, Lord Jesus. And pray that you would honor our lives in your name. Amen.